The Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, You are a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen. Yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you did not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Well, let us pray. Dear God, we give thanks to you for this beautiful morning and your light that shines into our lives through this worship. We thank you especially this morning for the children of our congregation and for all the ways that they teach us and bless us. Bless them in their baptisms, bless them in their receiving communions, bless them in their reading and serving and loving others in your name. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There is a copy of our first reading from Genesis 12 that hangs in the front hall of our house, and I have it here. Um, It is an original page of a first edition of the 1611 King James Bible. And so this page would have been printed before the year 1650. Uh, It was a gift from my wife, Jenny, to commemorate one of the first sermons I ever preached as a field ed student some 25 years ago on this text. And uh, it wasn't a particularly good sermon, I can tell you. I I actually looked back on it this week. It somehow survived the transition from floppy disk to hard drive to the cloud. I'm not quite sure how. But uh, I can tell you that Bryn's first sermon that she preached just a few weeks ago, way better than, than, than I did. But it is, um, it's uh, memorable for us, uh, not because of how the sermon came up, but because of how the sermon came to be. Um, you see, Jenny and I were in divinity school at the time, and we were dating and still trying to figure out what it would look like for a future Lutheran pastor 
and a Jewish scholar to make a life and family together. And then Genesis 12 came up for me to preach. And since Jenny was studying Hebrew Bible, I asked for her advice. And it sparked a conversation that unlocked our relationship and showed us a way forward. While we reflected on Genesis 12, we came to the place where we understood that we are both people of faith, both children of Abraham, who's considered the father of Jews, Christians, and Muslims, that we are both called in our own ways, and it would turn out at the beginning of a new adventure, just like Abram and Sarai, who would be known as Abraham and Sarah, following in faith to the places God and life would lead us, which mainly wound up moving up and down the Northeast Corridor. The King James Version of our reading goes like this. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Up to this point, Abram and Sarai were not noteworthy people in any way. But God chose them to begin a new chapter in the story of humanity. God called them to leave the only home they had known, to journey to an unknown promised land. God promised to bless them and that they would bring blessing to the broader human family. God promised to make of them a great nation, even though they were 75 years old and had no kids. Their road was not easy, but they trusted and followed God, and God fulfilled the promise. And I love this story not only for the personal meaning that it contains for me, but because it is so much about family and hope and callings and adventures, faith, blessings, and new birth. One thing I learned this week is that the city of Haran, from which Abram and Sarai are called, means highway or crossroads, in that God calls us at the crossroads of our lives. It could be the crossroads of a day, or it could be the crossroad of a lifetime. These are the liminal places that God meets us with promise and blessing. Nicodemus found himself at a crossroad in his own life when he came to meet Jesus. He was an esteemed teacher of the religious law, a learned man, but the miracles, wonders, and teaching of Jesus turned his learning upside down, and he comes to Jesus at night seeking understanding. One commentator notes that the notion of embracing newness and relinquishing what has been connects Abram and Sarai to Nicodemus. For to be born from above or anew or again may be understood as the embrace of God's calling, to leave the comfort of the known for the promise of the unknown realities of God, he says, is a form of birth. So Abram was born into a new reality that God called into being. It says, every birth is a blessing, and every blessing holds the possibility of newness. Every birth is a blessing, and every blessing holds the possibility of newness. We saw that at the 830 service when we baptized Maeve Gannon, how she is a blessing and how that blessing holds the possibility of newness for her parents, her family, her friends, and our church. In fact, the story of Nicodemus is very much about baptism. When Nicodemus asks, how can anyone be born after having grown old? 
Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. Water and spirit. Baptism. Baptism is another one of those crossroads, moments where we are claimed and called as children of God, given the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and joined in God's mission for the life of the world, just like Abraham and Sarah. And in addition to Maeve's baptism this morning, we're also celebrating the first communions of four of our honored young ones, Alyssa and Chase at the 8.30, and Chase and Jacqueline here at the 10.30. We celebrate the moment they come to the table and share with us the holy meal, where we approach up the center aisle and return to our seats, changed, forgiven, nourished, blessed, called to love and serve, and born anew. This morning, God says to Maeve and Chase and Alyssa and Jacqueline and Chase, follow me to the promised land that I will show you. I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. Through you, your families and the families of the earth will be blessed. This morning, we celebrate with these children and their families how we are joined to the family of God through baptism and more deeply connected to God each and every time we come to the table together. We are reminded that we are all on a journey to the promised land, and we only arrive there together. And so let these symbols, the water and the bread and the wine and the juice, preach to us this morning and remind us of who we are and who it is we belong to. Let the baptism in these first communions remind us that we all belong and we are all welcome. Let them speak to us about God's unconditional love and superabundant grace. May our children be our teachers, reminding us of the things that we have forgotten, that we may more fully comprehend our own blessedness and may go from here to be a blessing to others. Amen.